Today's reading is Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from first were eyewitnesses and servants of the the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decide to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, first through fourth graders, you can head to the lobby, find your teachers. The rest of you may be seated. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. Thank you guys for sharing this uh, proud dad moment with me. Uh, That was my son, Micah, who read scripture for the first time, so that was awesome. Good job, buddy. Uh, It feels really good to be here with you guys. I know that I've been back for a few weeks, but to be back uh, in the pulpit preaching, it's been a long time. We had my friend Emma Tautolo came in early November, and she shared with you, and we jumped into Advent, and we got to hear from a number of your voices during the Advent season, which was great. And then we had our Remembering Rightly service to start the new year, remembering what God has done over this last year, and praying towards what uh, our hopes and fears are uh, for 2023. Um, Daniel shared last week about the framework that we use for ministry here, story, formation, mission, um, to kind of remind us of where we feel like God has been calling us and and giving us a vision for moving forward for this year, that we will be rooted in scripture, that we will be people who will seek to follow Jesus and partner with him on mission in all of life. And so today uh, is a special Sunday for us um, because there's a few things that are going on this Sunday. Um, For many churches uh, across our nation, in the world, they take this Sunday to recognize something called Sanctity of Life Sunday, uh, where we remember that all are created in the image of God. This also is a Sunday that coincides with uh, Martin Luther King holiday, where we remember his incredible life and, and the ways that he embodied his faith for our country. So we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity this Sunday to pray together as we celebrate both of these things. For some of us, Dr. King's example of radical commitment to biblical justice, his efforts towards the creation of a diverse and welcoming beloved community, and his unwavering posture of prayer are cause for celebration and reflection. For others, the reminder of the sanctity or the holiness of life from the womb to the tomb, this commitment to the image bearerness of all people and hope in the power of prayer for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven are cause for celebration and reflection. For all of us, this Sunday can be a call to embody our faith, to to seek God for his justice, and to love our neighbors well. So please pray along with me. I invite you guys to stand with me. This prayer that's been comprised of some of Dr. King's own prayers, as well as passages of scripture. We will all read out loud together the sections marked all, and I will read the sections marked leader. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we lament the sin that is so deep within us all. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Give us ears to hear the pain of your people. Give us eyes to see your path of peace. We lament brokenness and division in our communities, and we wish it were not so. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We lament over our inability to imagine another way. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all of our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. May we love those close to us, different than us, even our so-called enemies. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, remind us of your presence in our going out and our coming in, in our rising up and in our lying down, in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow, until the day when you restore all things. Until that day, we lament the sin that is so deep within us all. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Give us ears to hear the pain of your people. Give us eyes to see your path of peace. We lament the sin of racism, both past and present, the complex factors that lead some towards terminating pregnancies, and the deep brokenness we all experience daily. We ache because the problems are deeper than we can grasp, and they feel beyond our control. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We thank you for your church, founded upon your word that challenge us to follow in the footsteps of the Prince of Peace, empowered as your people by your spirit. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh God, we thank you for the life of the great saints and prophets in the past who have revealed to us that we can stand up amid the problems and difficulties and trials of life and not give in, and that we can creatively seek shalom amidst the brokenness of this world. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, all tribes, tongues, peoples, and nations are reconciled by the blood of the Lamb. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so... We are starting a new series here at Grace in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and I have the privilege of, of doing the introduction sermon, because as we all know, good impressions are really, really important. Uh, I remember a, few, a number of years ago now, I was, I was starting a new job, I was director of social services at a, um, a, a program that worked with tra families transitioning out of homelessness. And um, I was kind of coming in as, you know, with some new ideas and, and wanting to, to kind of shake things up a bit and, and help this program succeed. And as I was meeting some of my caseworkers, uh, I met one lady in particular, and, and I was younger, and I was not smart, and I saw pictures on her desk and said, oh, your grandkids are beautiful. They were not her grandchildren. She let me know quickly they were her children, which revealed a lot about my assumptions and definitely got our working relationship off on the right foot. So the prayer is not that that would happen today. Uh, the prayer is that we would have a good, hopefully good, fair, balanced, helpful, not division-starting introduction to the book of Luke. Um, we're going we're gonna to think about kind of big picture what Luke is doing and, and why does it matter for us 
today. So thankfully, Luke actually gives us an introduction to his book. Micah just read it. We'll read it again together. The words will be up on the screen. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verses 1 through 4. This is how Luke introduces us to his work. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. What are these things? These things that have been fulfilled, he was referring to the life of Jesus. Just as they were handed down to us by those from whom the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke is identifying that some people that have contributed or he's interviewed for this work were actual eyewitnesses of Jesus. And they were servants of the word, servants of what God was fulfilling through Jesus. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that, here's the purpose, you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So Luke has investigated everything. We know from church history, we know from the book of Acts and and other epistles or letters in the New Testament that, that Luke was most likely a doctor. He was educated. He has an eye for detail. He has an eye for the physical body, for healings, for things like this. He lets us know that there are other accounts of Jesus. There are other accounts out there, and he has decided to write an orderly account. Now, a lot of times we'll kind of use shorthand in the church and we'll talk about the Gospels and we'll say, the Gospel, it's like a biography of Jesus, right? Like a life story of the life of Jesus. And that's kind of helpful. But if you think about, if you're familiar with the structure of this book, like what good biography would start um, with like maybe the first moments of the person's life? Skip 30 years, focus on three years, but spend half of the work on one week, the last week of the person's life, and that's it. That's not how we would write or think to read biographies. So Luke is ordering an account. These are biographical stories from the life of Jesus, but for a purpose. That purpose is not a biography like we would think of a biography, like you would pick up a a biography of your favorite celebrity or historical figure and learn all kinds of facts. What was their family life like? We'll get glimpses of that. But Luke is writing for a purpose, so that we may know the certainty of the things with which we've been taught. That's the purpose. He's writing this to somebody named Theophilus, and there's all kinds of conversations about who Theophilus could have been, or was this kind of a figure for the church. We know that this letter was widely distributed to many people in the early church. We know that this letter has stood the test of time throughout the centuries. The Spirit of God has included it in our Bibles, what we have today, and it has been encouraging for believers throughout um, history to show what Jesus was like. So the first is, what are we doing? What are we doing? The what? First is, uh, uh, what is this? What is Luke? Luke is a gospel. Luke is a story about the life of Jesus. Luke is written for a purpose. Um, we see in Scripture, the Scripture starts with the beginning of all things, God creating all things through his word, and he declares that all things are good. He creates man and woman, they're in the garden, everything is better than we could imagine, and they are free to eat from any tree, but God reminds them if they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will surely die. And we know from this story, if you've been around church for a while, that they did. 
even though God gave clear instructions, they're so different from us, and sin has vandalized or distorted every aspect of God's good creation. But God in his nature is always moving towards the brokenness. And so as sin enters in, we see God moving towards Adam and Eve. Where are you? What happened? And they answer God. God sends them out of the garden and he provides protection for them. And this long story of redemption begins and we see God meet Abram and make a promise. He says, I promise Abram that I will bless you and your family so that all nations would be blessed. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this being worked out. There are times when God's people are faithful to this blessing and this missional identity of being blessed so that others would be blessed. And God's people flourish when that happens, and then there's other times when they're not faithful to that calling, to that identity. And there are, there are punishment for that disobedience. Not because God felt cranky that day, but because the life of the world is at stake. In order for God to reach the world, he calls a people and empowers them to live differently, to display what he is like. This is our identity. And so as we move throughout the Old Testament, we see this going well and going not so well, and we see prophets reminding God's people of their identity, of their call to love the Lord and to love other people. And time and time again, it seems as though they always choose disobedience, and I wish my life were different, but if I'm honest, it's not really so different from many, many believers who have gone before me. And so we come to this point at the close of the Old Testament where we wonder, what is happening? Will God's people ever get it right? I wonder if anyone resonates with that. Like this far into the new year and the new year's resolutions, like, Ugh, will I ever just get it right? And now we have the book of Luke. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These gospels that continue this biblical story continue the story of Jesus. God sends his son to put on flesh and dwell amongst us. This is what we'll be spending uh, the foreseeable future here at Grace um, looking at and studying and thinking about. So what are we going to do today? That's like what is Luke. That's where Luke is in the biblical story. What about for us today? Well, here's the tension that I feel. To introduce a sermon, it feels really tempting to give you a ton of like really great nuggets of like academic truth about Luke, about the structure of the book and the historicity and all of these things, and that feels a lot like a lecture, and I don't know how helpful that is on a Sunday morning. Like if you're like me, I'm like, I'm really tired, I want to do a good job as a husband, as a dad, a good employee, like all of these things, like do things about Luke actually help me live my faith better? Sometimes. So, I have some resources for you. If you guys go to the next slide, here are some resources if you really want to get into the technicalities of Luke. If you have a lot of time and you are a nerd like me, there's a commentary written by Joel Green called The Gospel of Luke. The man who ran my seminary would say, this is the best commentary written on any book of the Bible ever. That's Mike Goheen, not Will Vukovich, for the record. Uh, it's phenomenal, and it will be helping us think through, uh, our, our preaching team think through this series. If you don't have, like, you know, 900 pages worth of time, and you'd like a really good summary, there's a book written by uh, Dr. Justo Gonzalez, who is a Cuban-American theologian, called The Story Luke Tells. This breaks it up more by themes. If you have two afternoons, you can read through this book, and it will be wildly helpful. 
If you're a normal person and you have less than 30 minutes, the Bible Project has two videos, one on the first half of Luke and the second one on the second half of Luke. I would recommend you watch those. The way they um, overview what Luke's doing, the structure of the book, all of those things is phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's visually pleasing, and it will not take you hours and hours and hours to consume. My recommendation, whenever I start a new book, um, I, I watch the video. They have a video for each book of the Bible, and it's incredibly helpful, Bible Project. They have a whole YouTube channel. Go there and check it out. We will be spending most of this year on the book of Luke, okay? I would recommend you check out these videos throughout as like refreshers on what Luke is doing. Does that make sense? So that's the what. We're gonna go to the how. Um, how are we going to engage this book? When Aaron and I first flew into Long Beach, into our now favorite airport ever, there's, <laughs> there's applause for the Long Beach airport. I love it. This is great. Um, there is a way that you experience the city from 30,000 feet. You get the big picture. You can see the lay of the land. As we walk through our neighborhood, we experience the city differently. We're gonna walk through the neighborhood of the book of Luke, okay? 30,000 feet is quick. I mean, you're from like Phoenix, landed in like 55 minutes, right? That's quick, a quick sweep of Long, of Long Beach. We're gonna take a stroll through the book of Luke to explore the neighborhoods, okay? Now, what this doesn't mean, um, I had a friend who used to attend John Piper's church in Minnesota. They spent nine years in the book of Romans. We will not spend nine years in the book of Luke, I promise. The church that I came to faith in spent three years in the book of Ephesians, which is only six chapters if I'm rem remembering correctly. We will not spend three years in the book of Luke, I promise, all right? We're going to be here for a good chunk of this year. We're going to take some breaks, so if that stresses you out, don't feel stressed. Take a deep breath. Um, and we're going to stroll through the neighborhood of the book of Luke, all right? This is not gonna be like a slow, like verse by verse, diagramming Greek sentences, don't worry about that. We're not gonna go there. Um, but we're gonna take some time to kind of steep ourselves or marinate in the book of Luke. So then the question, if that's how we're gonna do it, why would we do that? Why would we do that? Why would we choose to spend so much of this year in the book of Luke? And I'd like to point us back in September to our congregational meeting. In our congregational meeting, we let you guys know some of the things that is a leadership team, a lead pastoral team, we felt like God was calling us to press into. So as we're considering which books of the Bible to preach through, what topics to preach through, the book of Luke came to mind. Let me explain why with, these, uh, with this section. The first thing that we talked to you guys about that we felt like God was calling us to become as a congregation was welcoming and diverse. Welcoming and diverse. What we see throughout the Gospel of Luke is Jesus consistently presses towards and engages people on the margins. Jesus is constantly going where he shouldn't, talking to people that culturally, socially were unacceptable, putting himself in situations that would have made him unclean, and bringing the kingdom of God there. Jesus is eating with those who would be labeled as uh, gluttons and drunkards so much that the religious leaders start calling him a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus is constantly spending time with people who do not have it together. That gives me hope. 
Hopefully that will stretch us as we will wrap up in the next few months our asset-based community development assessment as we begin to pray towards what doors this will open. God, how can we serve the city of Long Beach? How can we get outside the walls of grace? Because the kingdom expands. The kingdom is going out. And as people who want to be close to Jesus, we need to follow him moving outwards into areas of brokenness. So this will be challenging. Luke consistently talks about justice. We'll see how Luke creates these um, crazy power dynamics where the powerful in the world's eyes are being shown to not actually have power. And Jesus is displaying this upside-down kingdom where the greatest will be the least and the servant of all. So that's first, welcome in diversity. The second thing that we talked about in our congregational meeting was the sense of embodied worship. And there was these beautiful moments throughout the fall, even in our church services, where we felt like the Spirit was doing something. And we felt certain that it was the Spirit because as we tried to explain it, we didn't have good language for it. It's like, I don't know, Jesus is on the move. He's doing something. We're feeling it as we sing together. We're singing as we pray together. People started like, you know, becoming bold and courageous and saying like, hey, I don't know if this is weird, but I feel like God wants me to say this to you. Take it or leave it. Some of you came and spoke to me in incredibly encouraging ways and in some outliers, and that's all right as well. But we were taking those bold steps, and we want to see that continue. The book, the book of Luke consistently focuses on the movement of the Spirit in Jesus' ministry. We're constantly seeing Jesus being, uh, leaving his disciples to pray, teaching about prayer, praying for those in need, and being moved by the Spirit. So as a congregation, as we want to be open to what the Spirit has for us, I think this book will help us, will challenge us. As we see the Spirit do things in the life of Jesus and in the book book of Luke that we may be unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with, what does that mean? It means that we're being open to allowing God to move in ways that might be unfamiliar to us. Okay, does that mean everything's going to radically change here and we're going to become like this wildly charismatic church? No, we know who we are. But we also know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I don't know about you, but if I take five seconds, I can think of 500 areas in my life that I would love to experience freedom. So I think it could be helpful for us to be open to the Spirit. Jesus, what would you have for us? How are you calling us forward? What's the next step, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church, as we're partnering with him on mission, and as we want to experience him more? And Finally, the third thing is formation, this idea of formation. How are we being formed more accurately into the likeness of Jesus? Learning to live and love like Jesus. Well, we get to walk with the disciples as they learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus throughout this book. We'll see how Jesus encourages them and challenges them and pushes them forward and calls them to ministry and empowers them for ministry and sends them out, all the while praying that he'll be doing these same things with and through us. So what's our hope with Luke? This is our hope as a lead pastoral team, as staff, as elders. Guys, we want Jesus. We want Jesus to shape us. 
We want Jesus to challenge us. We want Jesus to move close to us and be gentle with us in those areas of hurt. Over the last years, I've gotten to know a number of you guys, and, and you've been so gracious to share some of your stories. I know that there are diverse backgrounds in this congregation. There are people with diverse perspectives. There are people who have been hurt deeply by the church, by other people who claim to follow Jesus. And we're here together. The thing that holds us together is Jesus. The thing that gives us hope as we move out is Jesus. The thing that we need as we come to those areas in our life that we consistently feel frustrated in is we need to be saved from those. And the good news is Jesus is a good savior. So when we think about this next year, we want this year to be marked by Jesus. We want Jesus to lead us into Wrigley. As, as, as we figure out ways to partner with the great assets in that community, to invite the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, as you guys are thinking creatively about the gifts that God has given you and how can you, you, you can use those to display the gospel, that needs to be led by Jesus. As we come together and we sing and we know after a long week we need to be refilled, we're inviting the spirit of Jesus. We want to be a church that is formed by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It feels like in, in, in the current cultural context, that can come across as overly simplistic. I get that. But I don't know what else works. We've tried great plans. <laughs> We've put our hope in one candidate or another. We've seen what science and technology, where that has led us. All of these things help in some ways. But at the end of the day, we all have that sense of we need something more. That sense of we can't will ourselves into perfection or wholeness or whatever we feel like is missing, we have all tried in one way or another. And so this gospel is an invitation, an invitation to experience Jesus We'll see him, as I talked about, move towards those who have been broken. Maybe that's you in some of these stories. Consider those characters as we read. In what ways is Jesus moving towards me in gentleness and kindness and invitation? In other stories, we're going to see Jesus confront those who think they have it all together. Maybe some of us need that challenge. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You think you have it all figured out, but guess what? It's not working. You are so certain and smug in your beliefs and perspectives and preferences, and Jesus flips the tables over. Maybe we need to be open to that. If I'm honest, I don't know if there's ever been a point in my life where I'm either one character or the other. I think we have areas in our lives where we need both. We need the comfort of Jesus. We need the hope of Jesus. We need that gentle shepherd who comes alongside, who leaves the 99, the, like the widow who tears her home apart looking for the lost coin. We need that image of the father who's looking for our return on the horizon and runs towards us with arms open. And 
We need the Jesus who says, stop it. Not only are you harming yourself, you're harming others. Stop it. This is not what is best for you, and it is detrimental. Stop it. There is right and wrong despite what culture says, and you do not get to decide which is which. Jesus says, I get to decide. Sometimes we need to admit when we're wrong. Sometimes we need to admit that the path we're on is leading us towards destruction and not life. Sometimes we need that harsh corrective to tell us, turn around, go the other way. And Thank God Jesus does that as well. So hopefully we'll be encouraged, we'll be challenged, more than anything we'll be formed into a people who love Jesus, who worship him more faithfully, and who embody him and his kingdom more accurately on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. Man, all right, Grace, with the amens, let's go. It's the MLK weekend, I get it. It took a minute, you guys got it too. So now we move to the table. This table, this meal that has united believers since the night Jesus was arrested, betrayed, beaten, falsely accused, murdered, and died. This table that reminds us of the Jesus who moves towards the areas of hurt in our own lives. This table that reminds us that there are consequences of sin and wrongdoing, and he took all of those consequences on his own body. He took our place on the cross for us. This table is not just a feel-good table, and it's not just a feel-guilty table. This is a table of celebration, church. This is a table that reminds us that a feast has taken place and that a feast is coming. A feast where we won't just have to remember and read to reflect on the stories of Jesus, but we will create new stories with Jesus. That we will create new stories with his disciples as we follow him in the new heavens and new earth. This story is not finished. The good news is the brokenness we feel reminds us that the story is true, but the hope that we long for is also true. This table is a promise that that deep sense of things are not the way they should be will not always lie in the pit of your stomach. That a day is coming when we will drink the wine with our Savior and eat the bread with our Savior and with his people from all places and all times, and we will celebrate together. And so we invite you, we invite you to take this meal together as a family. Our ushers will come. Uh, they'll dismiss us by rows so that we can come forward and, and we can take the, um, the bread and, and we can take the cup. The purple lids are juice and the clear cups are wine, so choose accordingly. Um, and as we come to the table, let me pray for us before we move on in, in our service. Jesus, I pause in this moment and I'm just thankful for you. I'm thankful that you are the shepherd who, le who leads me, who leads us. I'm thankful that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you are present in this moment. 
I'm thankful for your word that reminds us of who you are, that forms us into who you are calling us to be. Jesus, I'm thankful for your spirit that you send, the great comforter, who sees our hurt, who sees our brokenness, who sees our frustration and our pain, and who speaks tenderly to our hearts. I'm thankful for your spirit that that knows us and tests us and points out those areas of our lives in which we need to surrender. Lord, help us to surrender. Father, we want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to display you in all areas of our life and in all areas of our city. This faith is a tangible faith and you give us these tangible reminders of bread and wine. And so we ask for your blessing as we move forward this year into your gospel of Luke. Would you bless us, not just so that we could feel good and happy, Lord, but rather bless us so that others would be blessed. Bless us so that those who don't yet know you would come to faith in you. Bless us so that those relationships which have been harmed and may feel uh, beyond hope and beyond repair can be restored. Lord, bless us so that the fruit of your spirit, your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control can be made evident in our homes, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our vocations, in all the places in which you are sending us to be light in the darkness. We need you. So would you fill us, Jesus, so that your world would be blessed. We pray these things in your name. Amen.